Money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success, others use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it, and how to grow it. This is Tilly Money. Hello and welcome to today's episode on how to talk to your partner about money. My name's Jess and I'm part of the team here at Tilly Money. In this conversation with Maureen, we discuss the financial conversations that are pretty important to have in a relationship. And she gives our listeners loads of helpful tips and strategies when it comes to money and love. You definitely want to listen to this one all the way through and probably take notes. As always, we want to bring you what you want to hear. So if you have any topics that you want to learn more about, you can message us on Instagram at tilly.money or email us at info at So let's get into the episode. Maureen, one of Tilly's objectives is to get women to start discussing money. However, I still find it an awkward topic to even discuss with my friends. We know not to discuss salaries with our fellow employees, and most of us don't let our parents know how much we've saved, usually to save us from fronting the bill at family dinner. However, I'm not sure how to speak to my partner about money in general. Do you have any tips on how I could bring it up and what's appropriate to discuss? Jess, it's a really difficult area, this one. I love your line about, you know, you not so your parents um, won't make you tip, pick, pick up the, um, the bill at dinner. <laughs> yeah. I must remember that if um, I might actually raise the topic with my, my sons, yeah, and yeah, encourage them to one day. Um, it's such a tough thing to bring up money, you know. Like as you said, you don't tell your employees in the office. That's usually a condition of employment, you know, what your salary is, but let's face it, a lot of people do. Um but you often don't discuss that much with your friends. Good friends know what you like with money. They know if you're disciplined. But if you tried to, say, talk to a friend that was a bit frivolous, they probably wouldn't listen, you know, because they think that's their domain. Um, there are, are, are lots of ways, and I think over the next half hour or so while we're talking, let's see if we can bring those out one by one rather than bombarding everyone from the top. But we'll always preface it by saying, it's not an easy conversation. Some people are great at money, and particularly those people who um, watch or listen to or read Tilly Money, they have a desire to be better. But some people bury their heads in the sand. So you've got all these different personality types, and we all know people, you know, we're all in our own ways different and quirky and whatever. Then you bring in the question of money and you bring it into a personal relationship where you're trying to encourage someone to be more thrifty or save for a house, that complicates things because then there's emotions involved. But let's get on to that as we talk. Do you think maybe there's a healthy conversation framework that I could use? Without a doubt. Um, I think that you think it's maybe a good idea to go out to a restaurant, um, have a bottle of wine. Mm, I'd pull back on that because... I think that's where you want to have the nice emotional feelings, you know, mm-hmm. with your partner. You know, you go somewhere nice, you know, you open wine, you're very relaxed, and then you bring up a topic that you know could have some problems. So <laughs> why ruin a night? You know, probably best, um, you know, without trying to sound, you know, narky, probably best to keep alcohol out of that discussion. Probably best to do it in the morning 
when people are fresh or you might be in a park or you and you don't probably throw in everything in one go like I want to save I want to buy a house you you begin the thing gently you ease into conversations like that it's um it's best to in your mind is say if you're the person who really wants to save and you're the person who really sees financial security is important and you know your partner hasn't got those same skills or that same attitude for a whole lot of reasons. Maybe they were spoilt, you know, when they were young. Maybe they had everything given to them. Maybe they just don't care about material things in their mind. So they might justify it. So you've got to break it down a little bit and be in a situation where you start to open up the dialogue easily and then formulate in your own mind what you want to talk about. So it's almost like get your own points clear and then even perhaps read some books that or telemoney articles that are right on this subject. How do you bring up a difficult topic? Well, you don't bring it up with aggression. You know, you bring it up with an attitude that, look, hun, you and I are in this together. You know, um, I am, admit, I am one of those really money conscious people I know you know and sometimes that's the way I was brought up you know that's not me I'm talking about hypothetical Uh, that's the way I was brought up you know we were just raised like that we might not have very much or maybe you know I was just had the DNA for that kind of very tight money structuring you know maybe you're a bit different I'm wondering I'm wondering if is there some kind of common ground that we can meet you know so it's very soft talk you know I you're you and god I love you because you're you I don't want you to be like me they're a bit to me I, I don't like but it would be great because you know we're kind of doing things together you know you're not proposing or anything like that but you know we're, we're sharing a rented accommodation together or seems like we're in a serious relationship that might start some sparks flying anyway because maybe that might go down the wrong path too but you set it up with this idea of we want a collegial a really cooperative outcome out of this I don't want my own way because when you're in a relationship, you're never going to get your own way 100%. And if you do, well, that's going to backfire on you because someone's going to feel dominated. But, you know, is there a common ground? You know, maybe that's what you look for, which means that you're showing to your partner some way that you are also trying to make some changes and improvements to you. Like, you know, you might say, I know I have a tendency to be a control freak. They'll probably say, yeah, you know, um, and you know, I know that I want these things, yeah, but I'm prepared to really hear you out as well because, you know, I want this to work for both of us. And the only way it's really going to work is if you both concede things. So maybe this great plan you have to save 40% of your income and buy all the lowest price things, maybe you've got to admit, well, they're just not quite as thrifty as I am and I have to understand that. So, you know, you'll grow as a person too because in a relationship there's usually two people so you're not going to get your own way totally. And if you like, if you want to get your own way totally, don't be in a relationship because you've got to give and take. So that's when you talk about setting the framework, that's a little bit about the people negotiation before you get into the serious planning. Well, speaking of splitting a bottle of wine, in terms of bills, my partner and I are always sharing. So whether that's one of us paying for dinner and the other paying for the movie, would it be a smart or a risky option for us to take out a joint bank account and just use that card for our shared expenses? 
Well, it's a good topic you raise. Um, you'd like to think, you know, that depending on how long you've been, you know, in a relationship, you'd like to think that there's a lot of trust involved, but there are a lot of problems when you start doing things like that. And when you go into anything like that, you've got to be careful because when you open up a joint relation, uh, joint uh, bank account, you actually become, you know, really open to that person. You know, do you really know them? Do you completely trust them? You know, do you do you know that they could clear your bank account out? You know, what happened if the relationship broke up and you're so devastated because he was the one that broke it up and you didn't want that, that you're so emotional that you forget the fact that they can still clean out your bank account. Now, nobody wants to think like that, but Jess, you and I both know from the work we do on Tilly Money, it happens all the time. You know, people go in, you know, they've left the relationship. The first thing they do, you know, they, they've got unlimited access to your bank account, uh, the joint bank account, and they'll clear you out of all your money. I'm not being a dramatic dram- dramatist here, that happens. But there are things you can do. You know, you can, you can prevent that kind of stuff happening. Yeah, I was going to ask, are there any strategies that I could do to protect the joint bank account? Yeah, you can. And again, this is probably a conversation firstly with your partner, because you wouldn't just go and quietly say to the bank, oh, by the way, you know, we've got a joint bank account, but I want, you know, two signatures, or Mm -hmm. I only want him to be able to, you know, draw out maximum $300, you know, without me getting an alert. You know, the, the idea would be, look, it's fantastic. You know, I love you madly. You know, we are now going to get a joint bank account. I've read a couple of articles that suggest always put it on to a third party you know I've been reading you know I love you know learning about money I've been reading that's smart to call a bank and just put some what's called caveats you know that maybe each other you know I trust you but let's let's make sure that um, we have a limit you know and it can be a safety thing as well you know if somebody else hacks into your account that you can only draw out a certain amount so you can do it from you know put the blame in the right areas rather than particularly if it's a younger relationship put it put it you know to a third reason like this article suggested it you know what do you think of these ideas you know um you know perhaps we could ring the bank together or you're happy for me to do that so put some caveats on it and that can protect you well if i have this money conversation and my partner doesn't seem to have the same money values as me like if i'm an avid saver and he's a frivolous spender is there a compromise well this goes back to you know the relationship i mean if that really if you're a really avid saver and the frivolous spending just really annoys you, that's going to grit, grit on you in relationships. So that almost becomes more of a relationship problem. Mm-hmm. Look, I've seen people who are young, you know, they're in marriages, and it's exactly that, you know. In this case, um, one I think comes to mind is that, you know, she is absolutely fabulous, you know, with managing money, potentially a little bit too tight, but that's, you know, that's her. And he um, has come from a, you know, very, very um, affluent background and money, you know, he was used to it. And, you know, he's just bought a new car, for example, you know, she doesn't think that a new car's needed, you know, let's put that away, you know, and, but you know what, they manage that because their relationship is good. Some relationships could be um, really damaged by that. And you know what, I'd be starting to say, well, if that's really going to damage your relationship, Maybe there's underlying things in the relationship anyway, because we we tend to be attracted to our opposites. You know, if it was too damaging the way one person was a gambler, you know, one person was a drinker, one person was frivolous with money because they were, you know, splurging, well, again, that's a relationship problem that, you know, you'd have to really look at. But if it's just a fact that, you know, 
I really like to have nice clothes. The other person doesn't mind, you know. You've got to kind of negotiate there on that because you'll probably find that there can be a common ground that you can do it. See, at the end of the day, these problems about money, these issues about money, not talking about money, it's also a matter of raising a level of confidence to be talking to this person who for the foreseeable future, you're in a fairly intimate relationship with. Now, if you can't raise topics sensibly, you know, with someone who's, I can understand you can't raise it with your friends and you don't want to talk to your parents about it because you might have to pick up the dinner bill. (laughs) But if you really can't learn how to negotiate these kind of things, two things, Jess, you've got to go back and learn more about how to negotiate and how to raise sensitive topics or you've got to learn about relationships and is this one really worth pursuing? Well, I guess similar to what you said earlier, not to be a doomsday merchant, but I have a few friends who have purchased homes with their partner and they're paying off the mortgage together. I've always wondered what would happen in the scenario where they do break up. Do they have to sell? Does one pay the other out? Or how are the loose ends sorted? Well, again, that comes down to when the marriage um, or the part or the um, relationship breaks up, you'd have to work it out. You know, does one person want to keep the house? Can one person afford to take over the complete mortgage? Um, you don't ever want to, and I'm sure that you don't. And you know, no one. I'm, I mean, I've been married for a long time, and I didn't go into my relationship thinking I've got to plan every scenario just in case this marriage breaks breaks up because there is this kind of you know love emotional element. But you know, it's not so much planning a catastrophe in relationship it's just if you look and think you know I really want to be financially independent you know I'd love my partner to share those goals but I want to be able to afford a house I want to be able to down the track put money aside to buy another investment property so my point here is saying that it's nothing much you can do if you want to keep the house but you can't afford to buy the other half you know, you're going to have to sell the house or, Mm -hmm. you know, get somebody to to buy that share. But if you're constantly learning about money, if you're constantly building up money, just you might even have a share portfolio, you know, because you've always, you know, tried to educate yourself, tried to buy other assets. And you might think, well, you know, I could buy buy, um, them out because for the last 10 years, I've actually you know, built up a really nice share portfolio. I don't really want to sell it, but I love this house more. And so I'm prepared to do that trade-off. So it's a risk. Um, There's no magic answer to that kind of question. You may have to sell the house. You might be able to buy the other person out, or you might have to agree. And then you've got to be careful because what happens if you'd have to say, well, look, is there any way we could hold on another six months or 12 months to this house because the market's in a complete doldrum, you know, prices are really low, but from everything that I read on Tilly Money, they say that the market's improving. So again, this comes down to negotiation skills. You could say, it's crazy selling the house now. You know, we're not only going to lose the relationship, we're going to be financially, you know, in a worse situation. So you might be able to say, let's hold off for 12 months when the property market increases. And in that time, you might be able to get your finances in order Mm -hmm. to be able to borrow that other 50%. It's a tough question because there's no real solid answer to that one. Yeah. Well, as you said before, obviously there is a lot of trust that goes into a relationship. So let's say uh, my partner took out a loan in my name and then we broke up and then I get stuck repaying it when the relationship ends. What legal rights do I have around this and how can I actually get out of a tricky situation? Okay. So we might have to break this question up a bit. So I'd ask the first question is why is your partner taking out a loan in your name? So are you suggesting that they've taken out a loan and 
They've, you've gone guarantor for that loan, so you'll guarantee that if that person doesn't pay back the loan, yeah. you'll guarantee that because mm-hmm. that's a really tricky area. And I would say, and I know this is hypothetical, but you know, if you are, if you came to me for that, I'd say, Jess, do not go guarantee for anybody, mm-hmm. whether you love them or whatever. I'd say to Jess's parents, you know, if they were going to go guarantor for you know a loan for your house with your partner, I'd say to them get some advice on this because if they renege on the loan, I know this is so hypothetical, but if you re- if you stop paying the loan, guess who the bank or the lender comes to? Straight away to your parents or if your partner did that, straight away to you. So if that's the scenario, guarant- going guarantee for any kind of debt is fraught with danger and you think, oh, I'll help them, you know, that you know parents want to help their kids you know you might think oh look he wants to borrow money for a car or he wants to borrow money for this or that i'll help him i'm in love with him i'd think twice on that you know why hasn't he got the money you know why hasn't he been reading why hasn't he been putting aside there's maybe a little bit of immaturity in that kind of situation that you could address but beware of the going guarantor <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by our principal partner, Mortgage Choice. For almost 30 years, Mortgage Choice and its national network of mortgage brokers have been helping Australians just like you realise their property ownership goals. They put your best interests as their top priority because they work for you, not lenders. Whether you are looking to buy your first home or investment property or want to refinance an existing home loan to get a better deal, let a Mortgage Choice broker answer all your questions, show you what's available and do the legwork for you. Visit mortgagechoice.com.au or call 13 77 62 to speak to your local broker today. A while ago, we wrote an article called... Um sexually transmitted debt Mm -hmm. on Tilly. Mm -hmm. So obviously no one goes into a relationship thinking what's our plan of attack if it goes belly up. But given that breakups and divorce are common, is there a list of ends to tie up such as um, credit cards or accounts or bills, insurance policy? Where do you sort of start? Oh, there sure is. And you're so right. You know, like, you know, love's such a powerful thing. The last thing you think of is you're going to, um, you know, inherit a sexually transmitted debt. Again, I'm not a, a negative person in any way, but the reality is that relationships do break up, you know, marriages do break up, unfortunately. And you've got to be very, very conscious of the debt that you can inherit. Look, I've heard horrendous stories where, and I won't give too many details on, on this one, but where someone was working for a government, um, um, government-related um, department, so they were living in a government place, and, uh, and this person was deployed overseas. And when they got back, um, they told their partner, you know, Darling, you know, wonderful thing. I, I put a swimming pool, you know, in the backyard of this house. And the person thought, oh, well, you know, I probably would have liked to have bought a car. But, you know, I did earn all this money from when I was overseas. The only trouble was the swimming pool um, was put into a house that they were renting. Mm. You know, so you've got to be very careful when people have access, you know, to your bank account because they could do things with your money that really is, it's nice while they're living there, they can use the pool. But, do you really put a swimming pool into a rented house? 
you know, I don't, I don't think so. So that opens up again this whole seriousness about joint accounts and really knowing your partner and putting caveats. But there's a website called the Money Smart website, and it's got a lot of good information. I hate sending people to other websites other than Tilly, <laughs> but Money Smart website is a really good one. Okay, your relationship ends, Jess. You're distraught, but you know, big girls, we've got to pull ourselves together in difficult times like this. And you're not going to have a checklist because, as we said, you're not going to go into a relationship and think, if you leave me, you know, I'm going to have a checklist and I'll go through it. It's just about being aware, you know. And the first thing that you really have to do is, if you do have a joint bank account, close them because someone could be bitter about that relationship and there is no law If you've set up a joint bank account, there is no law about them going in and you've got $5,000, depending on what your limits are for withdrawal, they they have as much access to that $5,000 if you've not put any restraints on as you do. So the first thing, I'd probably, if you, and we all know when relationships are kind of coming to an end, you know, you've been in love so many times over the years, you know, that you know when it's not going to be a great relationship probably shouldn't have had a joint bank joint bank account in the first place. But if you know something's really on the cards, just ring your bank and quickly close that account. Otherwise, you'll get a terrible shock. And if your heart's broken, you know, by someone leaving you, imagine how much worse it's going to feel when you check in and they've also cleared out your account. So you've got to be very careful on that one. Joint credit cards, that can be um, an area as well that should you have them in the first place. You know, how serious is relationship? You know, you We do have those kind of things, you know, in marriages, but sometimes long term, you know, why not? You know, you do feel that this, my money's their money, their money's my money, but that can happen over time. But sometimes we can be a little bit foolish with romance and having joint credit cards, you know, you're responsible for the debt, cancel them, you know, and make make sure that, you know, check, you know, this is another thing, check into your bank account and see, you know, if you've got that feeling your relationship might be going to um, break up, go and have a look, you know, has there been some big spending on the card? And if there has, close down the cards. You know, I'd rather I'd rather say, oh, look, I'm really sorry. You know, I just thought the relationship was going to end. And no, I love you and it's going to go <laughs> on. So forgive me for that. I'd rather, you know, seek forgiveness than make a mistake, you know. So close your joint bank account. Close your credit joint credit cards. If you've got any kind of accounts at all, you know, um, I'd be ringing the bank and either putting stops on things like that or um, cancelling them. And these are things that the uh, Money Smart website says. Any kind of agreements, any kind of loans, any kind of outstanding bills, you know, even ring up the um, whatever electricity provider and say, you know, I'm just giving you notice that, you know, we've moved out of this house. All bills, you know, are to be sent to the other person, you know, make sure that you actually do what's necessary. So try to pull yourself together. As I said, I'm presuming that you're probably strong if you're the one leaving, but if you're the one who's being left, just, you know, be smart, you know, kind of toughen up a bit, pull yourself together and just get this checklist ticked off. So make sure that you go to all those kind of agencies. You might have even been so loving that you might have made them the beneficiary of an insurance policy. In your superannuation, there's called a binding death nomination. You might have thought, oh, if anything happens to them, you know, I'm going to leave them my money from my super. I'm going to leave them my money, you know, from my will, you know. You know, love does amazing things to people. Change your will. You know, mm. do all these kind of objective things. If you're if you've um if you're in a rented place together, you know, update your lease contract. You know, as I said, update your super. Think of everything you've got in terms of money, and uh, you know, you might have even made them your power of attorney, which means that if anything happened to you, you know, 
dreadful as it sounds, you might have been in a car accident, you know, and for a while you're in hospital, they can basically be you. They can mm-hmm. sign for anything. Never give that away easily and we cover that on Tilly Money as well. But just have that, be savvy, have that now to be able to say, relationship's gone, I'll cry about that later, I'll go out with some friends and have a bottle of wine and I'll get over that, but right now I'm going to be smart because I know that this could come back and make things worse in the future. Well, speaking of superannuation, knowing more and more people are aware of retirement and opting to increase their super, when should a couple discuss the retirement savings and is it something that doesn't really need to be considered till you're married or is it something that we should talk about earlier? Okay, so there's a couple of answers there. The first thing I'd suggest is that When you're young, you never think about retirement. You might think about um, retiring early because, you know, we we did an article on Tilly Money, you know, people who retire at 30, that might be the thing. But that's different to retirement because you're 60, 65 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you don't really think of that because we have this precious thing when you're young and you think you're never going to get old, you know. So, And that's a good thing because – but – it's not so much thinking about retirement savings, Jess. It's more about thinking about your whole saving and investment strategy. So as an individual, you're not going to think, oh, I'll whack all of that money away into super. You might say, look, I want to put a bit of extra money into my super. For um, It's called um, salary sacrificing. And that will help me really be independent and know I can look after myself when the day comes that I do want to retire. That's all part of your financial independence strategy. So it's not so much when, you know, you might be 25, 30, whatever, you know, darling, can we sit down and have a conversation about, you know, retirement? Well, they're probably (laughs) going to think you're a nut, you know, but if you had a whole lot of things and said, look, we could put a little bit extra because we're allowed to put 25,000 or from the 1st of July, 27,500, I think it is, into super, we can put additional money in. You might say, look, we could do a little bit of that maybe because there's tax advantages in doing that. Um, But it's more like, let's talk about our financial independence. Let's talk about our wealth creation. Let's talk about the road to being rich in the good sense, meaning rich that I can look after myself. So it's conversations around that. Sure, if you hit, you know, 40, 45 together, you might then say, again, you know, darling, you know, I'd love to be able to talk about, you know, what have we got in super, you know, that while we're still really young, you know, maybe it's a good time now to say that have we got enough in super? Maybe we could go to a money coach. Maybe we could set aside and find out how um, – how much financial advice costs. When you're younger, you might be able to do it by websites, you know, like ours. When you're young, you may have a little bit of money to even go to a financial coach, a money coach. You know, they're not going to write a financial plan for you, but they might give you the accountability, a bit like a dietitian. When you get older, you might say, you know what, we've bought our house, we've got an investment property, we're doing really well, we've got some money in the banks, you know, we've set the kids up, you know, the way we wanted to have them educated. Maybe could we sit down and talk about our retirement? Not because I want to retire now, and I know you don't want to, we want to work for as long as ever, but I know that there's all these allowable caps that you can have in super. I know that I can get so much into super, and when I draw it out as my income when I'm older, it's tax-free. That sounds like a pretty good idea. You know, could we grab another 
say half an hour and just start going through these kind of things. So positioning again, just like you did years ago, position it and say, I've read this book or, you know, I've, I've heard something that someone like Peter Switzer said on the radio or he wrote a book called, um, called uh, Join the Rich Club. Um, maybe you just position it, but always say, I've, I've gone to a third party. I've learned from a third party. You know, could we sit down and talk about it? Because I think there's some really clever things in here. So open up the conversations at different times in your life. Okay. And maybe when you're younger, you could just say, Oh, does your employer, um, you know, contribute to super? You know, isn't it fabulous? We're going to have that money one day, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's planting seeds, really strategic and sensible seeds that you plant. Yeah. Well, with that third party, if at the end of the day, I've tried loads of strategies and conversations and I still can't get through, what paid help is available once I wave that white flag admitting defeat? Okay. Well, firstly, I'd say that if you've tried everything and you still want to stick with them, you probably love them, you know, (laughs) that you know that it's just them. It's just their makeup. They don't want to live life the way you do. And that's fine because it's not all about money. It'd be nice if they were diligent. But as I said, it's boring when you marry yourself. You know, the colour of a marriage and the colour of life is when you marry someone very different to Mm -hmm. you. Um, The paid help would be a money coach. I mean, go for the free stuff first, you know, go and search the web, you know, go, as I say, keep subscribing to Tilly Money. Um, Buy books, you know, there are very good books around, there are very good websites. Learn as much as you can from websites and books that position it in a way that you can understand, otherwise you'll get frustrated if it's too complicated. You could go to a money coach. You know, there are online coaches, you know, that you can get where you pay a certain kind of subscription fee. You know, maybe you might think, well, you know, subscribing might be $300 or whatever a year. Um, Subscribing for that for a year, I might learn some things and I'm sure you would and that can be a good investment. When you really get to a stage where you think, oh, maybe I've got an inheritance from a grandparent, you know, maybe we've got our own house and I'd really like to buy an investment property, you know, maybe I've got some cash in the bank that's not earning interest, I wonder how much a financial planner costs. So probably go to um, go to the um, ASIC Money Smart website, you know, check out that way, you know, what is a financial advisor? You know, how much do they cost? What do they do? Always be careful because you enter a relationship with a financial advisor that's a one of really strong trust, so don't just go to anybody. But maybe at some stage, you know, find out what proper financial advice costs. But remember, when you do go to a financial advisor, for them to be able to give you advice, for them to be able to invest your money, you've got to have some money in the first place. So maybe a coach is the first point of call. And when you do accumulate some wealth, potentially a financial advisor that writes you a plan, you know, that could be a, a really good investment as well. And it's always best to go with your partner, even if you say, look, I know you're not really interested, just even you can't, if you come with me, just come on the journey with me. If they resist, 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 I'd probably, I hate to say this, I'd probably be thinking, this person is always, you know, resisting things. I've tried so hard to position it well. You know, I've talked about by that stage you might have a child. You know, I've talked about, well, I've heard about these things called insurance bonds. I think that they could be good, you know, for our children's education. If they're completely resisting, I'd be thinking, hmm, there's some signs here that, you know, maybe it's not till death do we part. Yeah. Mm. Well, as usual, I think there's a lot to think about and Mm. um, plan, but it's been great to talk to you about this topic. You too, Jess. Definitely learnt a lot. And one day, pay pay for your parents' dinner. Yes. (laughs) I think I owe them now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Maureen. Good chatting to you, Jess. Your host this week was Maureen Jordan. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up to date with all of our content, follow us on Instagram at tilly.money. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music.